Nation. Providing you with the practical tools and expert knowledge to optimize your strength, health and mindset, inside and out. With your hosts, Steve Katarzy and Bryn Jenkins. It's October 2018 and we have just released the October 18 Hyper Workouts training program. One for the guys and one for the girls. So we're nine programs in for the year, all of which are free and expertly written phased annual training programs. And that spurred us on to have a discussion of both the October 18 Hyper Workouts program, what makes it different, what are the aspects of that training program that I'm really enjoying because I'm following all of these to the letter and the changes I'm seeing both in my strength and muscle. And then we move into um, the kind of underlying variables that are both hotly debated, um, have lots of evidence supporting them and often lead to quite a lot of confusion when it comes to how you put together your training regime. And that is training consistency, training periodization, training frequency and general intensity and pushing yourself to failure. How do you manage these four variables to maximize muscle gains and maximize your strength gains? We cover that plus a bunch of other stuff from progressive overload to neurotyping to environmental and social pressure and support that can make a big difference towards your performance from one day to the next. All of that backed up and supported by evidence-based research, personal anecdote, and the reality that the average person faces with trying to optimize for the gym as well as running their lives. This is a really good episode. It's detailed as usual and hopefully thought-provoking. We hope you enjoy this episode. Adaptation. How are you anyway? How's your training going? Things are going well. So um, obviously, you know, I do like a periodized training program. You write for me, we put yeah. it together. together. Um, currently put out the October 18 Hyper Workouts, which is my exact training program mm -hmm. that I'm following two weeks in. And yeah, it's going really well, man. It's, um, you know, between you and I, we, we try and push um, the principles of each yeah. mesa cycle. Whilst they all look very similar, like if you look through all of the hyper workouts, they you know they have the big lifts, they yeah. have roughly the same amount of exercises, roughly the same amount of sets. Mm -hmm. So from the outsider's perspective, you go, oh, "What's new here?" Yeah, well, it isn't anything new, other mm -hmm. than the fact that you know we're working towards creating uh, variations, different rep ranges, different styles of using my muscles that kind of stuff to just create and elicit a different response, some yeah. adaptation, make sure my body keeps guessing. So with the current one we've got, um, you put, applied this principle of um, training percentage loading. Yeah. So the idea of using your training max and having a percentage variable, mm -hmm. which defines like on an escalating scale, the intensity of your sets, yeah. say for a bench press or a squat, and it has an escalating percentage, starting mm -hmm. say at 50% and going up to when my bench press is 105%, I've loaded it up. So beyond my training max. Yeah. 
and it's going really well, man. It's uh, it's different. Yeah, requires getting a calculator out, which is yeah. I don't know <laughs> how, fun. how yeah. usable that is within the gym. I don't know. I suppose you can use your phone. Depends how good you are at percentages in your head. I'm. Awful. I, I don't I'm even like bother. Yeah, because then you have got the plate math as yeah. well. So it's like, okay, what's what's seventy percent of one hundred and thirty, and then minus the twenty k bar, and then divided by two. I'm like, that's too much. <laughs> when I'm yeah. trying to work out, I just put it on my phone. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, knock sure. it out. Okay, but it's it's going well. Seeing um, progress. Yeah, I am. Well. There's a couple of things I like about the program. Mm-hmm. Firstly, it's managing my fatigue a little bit better. Yeah. Which is quite nice. Uh, there's less stressful sets, right? Because I think yeah. the last program, I was doing five sets of three or something. Because that was really intense. Yeah. Yeah. Now, kind of having these escalating sets where it's progressively peak. getting harder and I'm peaking. I really like the bench one. Mm-hmm. Um, on bench, I'm... I'm benching three times a week, actually. And that was the second thing I, I'm enjoying, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, on my heavy bench day, I'm doing kind of percentages that lead up to 105% of my training max. Yeah. So that's beyond my capacity. And I use the kind of the bench board. I don't know if that's what you call them. You know, the... the like a block that you put a on block your, that get, bed, yeah, that your uh, chest. Yeah, prevents the range of motion a little bit so mm-hmm. the bar doesn't go all the way to my chest just to limit the range and therefore give me a bit more comfort lifting something really heavy. Yeah. So I can feel the weight of the bar in my hands. Mm-hmm. I'm just uh, protected by not having to go as far down. And that's actually working quite nice. I'm now up to 115K on my bench. Nice. It's feeling solid. Again, five reps out of that. Mm-hmm. I'm not using the the bench blaster, you know, that kind of sling thing that Sling-shot, I put around my arm. Yeah. I'm not using that at all. So I'm feeling pretty strong. My shoulders are feeling strong. Um, and then as I look through the rest of the workout, I'm enjoying the consistent, uh, sorry, the frequency. Yeah. So it was important to me and you that we built in two to three days of chest work, two to three days of mm-hmm. squat work, getting at least two deadlifts in a, a, a week. And as well as that, I wanted to see if I can break some plateaus by doing a co- accommodating resistance, which is mm-hmm. chained based work. Yeah. Right. So chaining up my bench chaining up my deadlift and basically having the weight at the top of the lift be heavier than when at the bottom mm-hmm. so it kind of gets heavier as you move out of your weakest part yeah that's all working really nicely man good i'm enjoying it i'm enjoying the rep schemes um a nice mix of daily undulation between you know four to six reps mm-hmm. up to you know up to 15 reps depending on the isolation work i'm doing yeah yeah it's not there's a lot of novel there's enough novelty to go okay this is new Mm-hmm. whilst there's still enough consistency that I'm being able to continue to develop yeah. core lifts, which I want to walk away from for eight weeks. I want to continue mm-hmm. to make progress, progressive overload on yeah. the things that matter. So they're yeah. still in there. So yeah, I, I don't have any don't have any problems really. There's one thing around injury, but I'll talk about it in a second. But yeah. you're doing something similar as well. Not yeah. identical, but similar. Yeah, Are you so, enjoying it? Yeah, I mean, so I'm doing the Jim Wendler 531 program. Um, it, it's basically his way of, of ad, um, percentage-based training. And I've just bespoke it and made it my own. Um, so you, he's kind of said, look, do these main lifts and do them with this percentage. And then the accessory list, I've kind of added in my own um, as to how I, what exercises I do and when I do them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the the percentage-based training for me, um, which we were talking about earlier, is, is great because I feel that it's kind of holding me accountable because 
when you're at your last set, let's say you've got to do three reps at 90% of your training max, you then, you know, if the calculations are right, you should be able to lift three reps at 90%, right? And the last set is three plus. So you go, okay, three reps is the minimum, but you want to do as many as you can. And um, that really, it, it makes me push myself because I get the three reps and I go, okay, now I've hit three reps. Now let's see what I can do for the last set. And I really push it on that last set now. And I just think having that accountability of doing minimum three reps at that weight anything else is a bonus i love that it's making and it me also work helps hard. you redefine what your training max is right and then i start to go yeah so yeah exactly so then i go okay well holy shit i just did eight or, or ten reps at that weight so really that is that wasn't my 90 percent? Yeah, yeah was that actually my 90 percent? so then you start to really start to push the limits a little bit more or or you know push the boat out and just go well okay if i did that many reps and what is my true training max yeah and then you start to figure that out a little bit so yeah um and one one thing i'm doing on this is i've kind of done the first one or two weeks purely from my basically i'm not using one rm i think we we had a back and forth on this one mm -hmm. one rep max being either theoretical uh maximum you could lift only just one rep of yeah i don't i don't think i've ever even flirted with just one rep mm -hmm. so it is a theoretical um but it can, the numbers can start getting a bit scary when you use 1RM. Mm. So I've been using training max. So what's the heaviest I've ever lifted for reps? At least two to three. And yeah. I'm using that as my 100% and then scaling down from there. Yeah. Um, it's not overly scientific. It's probably could be improved upon slightly, but it's helping create a baseline of that escalating vo um, the volume and weight. Yeah. So what I'm doing, I use that, that value mm -hmm. to derive my percentages 70 through to 95 or 105. And now I'm into my third week. Yeah. I'm looking because I'm logging everything. Look at what I used last week mm -hmm. and say my 50% on X lift would have been 70 kilograms. Mm -hmm. Go, oh, let's do 70 and a half. Yeah. And then the next one, you know, the 70% would have been or 80% would have been 95 kilograms. Oh, why don't we just go to 100? So I not add the lower the low percentages, I know I can definitely push it. Yeah. Because I know I've got the capacity to do that. There's a bit more flexibility. And if right? I'm if I'm building that capacity up on the lower percentages and I and I try and push and flirt, you know, kind of with those higher higher values out into the the kind of closer to the my max training. Yeah. That's interesting because you kind of build up this psychological expectation yeah. that okay, I've now I've now re replanned re my my max yeah so if i'm doing 50 percent a little bit higher than i normally did last week and i just push that a little bit more into each of the subsequent sets of yeah. which there are five theoretically if i can keep to it psychically and i'm in a good place mentally and i go into that last lift going this is my whatever percentage yeah I, i'm not making it up this is yeah. you know i've kind of worked through it you find this extra capacity that perhaps wouldn't have been there if you didn't have mm. that reassurance yeah. in those rep in those sets prior to the heavy one. Exactly, because you you got that structure there, and you're trying to live up to whatever you the expectation, you've got, the of, expectation the plan, yeah. of the plan, right? So it's ninety percent at this weight. So you go, okay, well, I'm going to now lift at ninety percent for this many reps. So you kind of 
you you expect yourself to do it because that's what the program says. And I think that's a big deal when it comes to training, yeah. right? If if you believe you can do the work, yeah, as so you've got so much better chance of achieving that lift, especially things like deadlifts and mm -hmm. squats. If you get under the bar, you go to grab that bar, and you don't believe you're going to do it. Yeah, you're not. You're either you're not going to do it, or it's going to be a funky lift. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I've seen Michelle do that. Whenever I kind of you know train with Michelle, um she's she's doing the same thing she goes in there and she's a bit hesitant and yeah. it just it's shit whereas when i kind of jeer up a little bit I'm like you got this it's a lightweight go for it light bar she's on it and all that's and changed is her kind of mental attitude to yeah. that lift yeah sometimes that's what you need the the only thing with uh percentage-based training obviously which we're talking about now is that there, there's some debate around that style of training and some coaches say because it's quite a rigid, fixed way of training, it doesn't take into consideration how you're feeling on the day. Um, so if you have to lift at 90% um, on a day that you're fatigued and tired, then you might not be able to lift three reps at 90% because you're having a bad day because mm. the kids are up and the, the dog shit in the house and things like that first thing What's in the happened? morning, which happens, yeah. <laughs> which we've both experienced now, but we, we don't with percentage based training, we don't really take that into consideration because it is quite a rigid fix. Cause it's not RPE. It's yeah. not relative exertion. Exactly. It is, it is fixed based on your previous training max. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, that's fair. what I tend to do is kind of like you were saying the lower, the lower or the earlier sets where you've got like 50% or 60, 70%. You've got a lot of play there. Haven't you've got you? a lot of play. So if you're having yeah. a bad day, you should lower that down and, and then, where I've got the last set where I might have three plus reps, I'll just do three reps. I'll just hit the minimum requirement there um, rather than trying to really push it out on a day that I am fatigued or not yeah. 100%. Well, that's, that, that is fair. How I've, do you I've, find that? Yeah, I haven't haven't played it through enough weeks yet to feel, right. you know, tank. I haven't tanked yet. I haven't, okay. haven't had a bad session yet. Yeah. And I, I don't know it will come. Yeah. But yeah, so far I've been able to, um, for the most part, improve my volume session to session good i haven't seen i haven't yeah. seen my plateau yet and that's maybe because you know i've, I've dropped out of the cuts i'm now back into a bulk i'm yeah. fueling riot i'm feeling good i haven't got a lot of stress in my life at the moment cool training's good. novel i'm excited about it i'm enjoying it so there's just a lot of momentum but yeah, yeah as you get towards the latter part of a mess cycle or shit goes down in your life things can get a bit funky but so far so yeah. good okay excellent the only, only thing i will say i kind of touched on was injury so i haven't got any injuries per se like real proper issues but this this program plus others are highlighting just the increased risk of injury right so yeah. my chest my shoulders everything to do with my upper back that kind of upper cross is just being challenged with the volume i'm doing yeah, yeah I'm, I'm hitting a lot of reps. Hitting I'm hitting more. a lot of reps on my chest at a minute mm -hmm. every week. For some people, it's fine. For me, whether it's my thoracic spine mobility, whether it's I've got a propensity to maybe use bad form on the heavier weight, whether it's lack of recovery, whether, whether it's lack of appropriate stretching. I mean, it could be a bunch of things, but I'm getting some tension, pressure, and some slight aggravation that kind of keeps popping up, which is just a sign of like I'm flirting at the edges of 
my frequency max, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. Now, if I'd done it more, I think I'd, I'd be walking around in constant dull pain in my yeah. chest and my shoulders, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that, I mean, you're right. It could be, could be that you're flirting with the boundaries of your limitations. So it could be the fact that you're lifting too heavy. You could be lifting mm. too frequently. Uh, it could be... And because of that, that could be then breaking down form because you're slightly fatigued or you're just lifting to a point where you can't maintain shape and form. Um, so, yeah, there's a few few things there that could be happening. Um, but, but I haven't I haven't got to the point of a disruptive injury. Yeah. And I'm, because of, you know, my relationship with you and the practice you work at and I spend a lot of time at a chiropractor proactively because I yeah. just want to make sure my body's optimal. I'm very aware when things are feeling a bit funky, when yeah. my back's tightening up, when you know things just aren't right. Instead of just dealing with it, mm-hmm. I want to find out what's going on. I try and do some preventative stuff at home. I try and do some myofascial release and some dynamic stretching at home. And if that doesn't work, I go to a chiropractor. Yeah. So I'm very proactive on niggles because mm-hmm. I know niggles can lead to bigger issues. Yeah. And the pain doesn't necessarily come from the plate from the origin it could be somewhere else Mm -hmm. that's transferring the pain so i'm very mindful of like why am i experiencing this discomfort yeah and don't work through it understand it and try and rehabilitate it so i think that mindset combined with i think the program being well well put together Mm. as i say i'm getting close to the point of maybe you know an injury but staying within that kind of boundary yeah, because I think you you like to train with quite a lot of intensity, so you do like to push it and get near that red line. Um, but I think you know where that red line is, so that's part of knowing your body, right? And you can feel what's going on. So you're very intuitively, or you're very in tune with your body and what's going on and where you feel the niggles and how much. If you went to say four days a week doing the same intensity that you're doing with bench press, you now know. If I'm lifting at that level four times a week, I'm probably going to have problems. Mm, I'm going to have shoulder problems. I'm going to have inflammation. going to have, for whatever reason, but yeah, you know that that's your kind of limit and your baseline. And I think this is a great segue. So we were hoping to cover off something today, which, you know, we've definitely got time to do that, which is um, talking about this program is, is kind of prompted um us to want to talk about consistency frequency mm-hmm. and general intensity because we've spoken about all of those just now yeah but how should someone think about consistency of exercise how frequently should people train and at what level of intensity should they train mm-hmm. and i think these are not independent variables they are all very interconnected yeah and you know they're all kind of like underpinned by the idea of progressive overload and the need for recovery yeah so if you can understand progressive overload principles and understand the need for recovery and super compensation then these variables of consistency Mm -hmm. uh, frequency and uh, intensity i think could be they could be powerful keys to managing an Mm -hmm. ever adapting improving program yeah so why don't we talk about those those pillars yeah and whether you think they're valuable important how to think about them put some context around them that kind of thing well to put some context around them so earlier i was when you 
when you spoke we spoke about this i was say I, I was thinking in my head which one of those do i feel is the most important which one's superior to the others and as i was thinking about it i was thinking none of them they they're all just as important as each other and like you said they all interlink and you need for a well balanced program or training plan you need all three of these to work right because let's put it into context if you're with consistency right consistency is incredibly important and this is what i thought was the most important thing to get results because if you're not consistent then it doesn't matter how much intensity or describe or, consistency what what you think about when you think of consistency so consistency is to me in my head is the consistency throughout the year right because you might be consistent this week or this month but then you might miss next month out of training. So when you say consistency, you're talking regularity of regularity going to the gym. of going to the gym and training. Yeah, so okay. just being consistent with your training, just turning up every week for the amount of sessions that you have planned or want to go into the gym. Right? I wasn't um, thinking of consistency that way, but that's absolutely bang on, right? Yeah. If you take a hiatus for two months, then it's going to have an impact exactly. on your overall prog yeah. progress, right? So I was thinking, well, that's yeah. that's obviously the most important thing, right? Because if you're inconsistent with your training over the year then your results are probably going to look pretty shoddy. But then again, if you are now consistent, okay, so you're going into the gym, but you're now not uh, being frequent enough. So you're going to the gym consistently once a week, but then you're not hitting your muscles very frequently if you're only doing it once a week. So therefore then, okay, you're now being consistent, but you're now not being frequent enough. You're not yeah, yeah. hitting those muscles frequently enough. So I was going, okay, well, is that frequency more important is important. Yeah. yeah, so you go, okay. Well, them two then are obviously on par. And then you start thinking about intensity. Okay, so you're going to the gym. Let's say you're consistent. You're going every week and you're not missing your training. Your uh, frequency, you're going, you know, you're hitting your muscles, let's say, three times a week. So you're getting good, good frequency. But then you're going to the gym and you're not quite pushing to the level that requires stimu stimulation, um, adaptation of the body. So nothing's going to change. And then you start thinking, okay, well, if you got one of those wrong, you're probably gonna not see the results you want to see. It's about progress. Isn't it's about it? progress. If you get all yeah. three of those right, that's why we want to talk about it. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. how important are all three of these points, right? Um, and to me, that's kind of how I see it. So. You're bang on. They are. They are all very important. Yeah. Let's, let's break down each a yep. little more, and where possible, maybe we can uh, make reference to people's evidence, yep. uh, evidence-based research. It. So with consistency, one you're spot on. I hadn't even really thought about the long-term consistency. How did you just, think of it? I was thinking, I was thinking more short term, like, you know, doing the same exercises for a period yep. of time. Um, in my mind, I was thinking if, if you're constantly going to the gym and being random mm -hmm. in yeah. what you choose, ex exercise selection, rep ranges, just generally throwing at your body, whatever you, whatever machines available yeah, right, or whatever you've got time to do, that for me would be very hard to gauge whether you're making progress. Too random. Yeah. So in consistency, my, my first thought when I thought of the word consistency was have a program. Yeah, you're quite that right. That you follow, yeah. you know, two, three, four, five times a week with a set number of, you know, exercises and reps mm -hmm. and sets and follow a very rigid plan for a period of time because mm -hmm. that rigidity helps you really clearly identify whether you're making progress. Yeah. Right, so you can have more practice, mm -hmm. you can develop better form, better intuitiveness around the movement, and hopefully improve your volume, whether it be reps, sets, or the weight. So consistency initially was for me that. Yeah. But your point is equally, if not more important, which is yeah, that could be bang on, 
you could be very consistent in exercise selection uh, and doing the same things rep rep repetitiously for a period of time. Mm -hmm. And then you fall off the wagon for six months. Yeah. That's no good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I suppose you've got the macro consistency and the micro consistency, yeah. haven't you there, which is things that you want to take into consideration. Are you being consistent within your training throughout the year, but then are you also being consistent with the lifts and the movements that you're doing? And if you, as you say, if you're doing random exercises session by session, it's just too random and not consistent enough for you to track um, progressively overload over time. So, Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to think, is there any value of inconsistency on a on a so you you go in free you go into the gym a sufficient amount of times and you're not missing weeks or months on end so for the most part you have the long-term consistency showing up piece yeah but you do random you're sessions. either intuitive or random in your exercise selection is there benefit of that quote-unquote inconsistency and i would say there's definitely you could see some results. There's some, some results, yeah. but it would be more random. You'd yeah. be less predictable, I guess, mm -hmm. that you're going to make X strength gains and the muscle is going to be recruited in yeah. these parts of your body. I guess it comes down to what's your level of required outcome yeah. and how precise do you want to be in achieve, achieving that by said time frame. Yeah. Building muscle is not, um, unfortunately you know, a maths equation, if I do X, Y, and Z, I get I get the body I want yeah. by this time frame. Unfortunately, our body's all unique and, you know, there's a lot of subjectiveness about it and everybody adapts in different ways. That yeah. being said, there are tried and true principles and if you want to develop a certain muscle group, progressive overload is, is really the surefire way plus having sufficient calories and nutrition to do that. And to know that you're getting sufficient progressive overload through time when you're being completely random on mm. how you're hitting your chest or how you're hitting your legs. I just think you're making your life difficult and it becomes unprecise. Yeah. You you may make progress, yeah. you may not, but you're not as in control yeah, if that's you've the got a mesocycle right? cycle that is clearly defined you run it for a period of time and then you change test and retest I, I i think it's such a good question because we i see it a lot in in big commercial gyms where the general population will go in and do a random workout every time and they might walk i used to, the gym. to be that guy yeah and i used to be that guy and 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 pretty much everyone has gone through that that period of non-consistent way of training and yeah like you say you might get newbie gains you not might just you, you will see results you'll feel good that you've, degree. you've gone to the gym and yeah. you've had a workout yeah then you've had the sauna and then you're coming home yeah. and you feel you feel good about yourself and there's still benefits to that yeah so there's exactly. a psychological benefit and there's a calorie benefit but is there and there's still a physical the deliberate benefit. muscle growth benefit that yeah. you know you, you have elicited yeah and that's the thing, right? So it's if a you've question got a, mark around that. There is, because if you've got a goal, a goal is specific, but then your actions aren't specific. So how yeah. do you think you're going to get to it, right? Um, but this is actually something that I've dealt with uh, and I've battled with quite a lot when I was sort of in my early years of training. And I wasted so many years of training in the gym where I could have been a little more consistent with, with the exercises that I was doing, the sessions that I was doing to see the results I wanted. I wasn't as in control as I would like to have been. Um, 
and like you say, you just can't, you're not in control. You don't measure. You don't measure what's random. It's it's random and therefore it's difficult. Yeah. There's always a moving target. And and I know in, in gyms that, you know, certain bits of equipment might be used up, especially if you go in peak time. So, you know, the bench is being used. Okay, so the bench isn't available. I'm supposed to do the bench right now. Look for your list of exercises. What should I do next? Oh, let me go and do the next one. And I know like my program, for example, doesn't, really offer that much flexibility because mm. the beginning needs to be the beginning yeah right my heavy intense squat needs to come first yeah it can't come last after i do all my accessory movements and all my fatiguing movements high rep stuff because yeah. i just won't be able to do it with as much intensity yeah. and value so there there is that perhaps is a bit rigid and inflexible and I can understand why some people might not enjoy that, especially if you go to a busy gym. Yeah, because for, for you, um, we can program that way because we know you have access to everything you need in your yeah. own gym. And if you've got a home garage gym, you could do the same. But yeah, like you say, if you're if you're programming yourself for a training session, you're going to a commercial gym, you might not be able to get on the squat rack. You might not be able to hit the squat. So I guess we, we, we need to be um, sympathetic to that yeah. being a, a reality that people face, especially if they go in peak time. That can cause some form of inconsistency. Yeah. yeah but sure. I mean, you know, if, if that is what you're playing with, um, I don't think that means throwing away the idea of putting a plan together. I think having a plan is still important. Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps you just, within your programming, need to be flexible in the ordering of those exercises. Yeah, it's, not, it's not ideal, right? So if you've got a plan like all of the hyper workouts where the first one or two lifts are the most intense, compound, heavily demanding lifts, and you can't do them first, I think that there is some detriment to that. Um, and you're, the, what you will pay is that when you finally do get to that workout, you just won't be able to lift as heavy and therefore the progression will not be there, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. But you're still getting into work. So on those odd occasions where you have to move things around, it's better than nothing. It's still you're still hitting the same lifts, mm -hmm. the same frequency, the same rep ranges. You're trying to go for the same intensity. You just might have taken a little bit out of the tank. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, sometimes you just might have to do a different exercise. But as long as that's as long as you're not consistently doing that, then you'll be fine. I wouldn't lose too much sleep over yeah, it. Yeah, but true. yeah, for sure. Um, so then sticking with consistency, what would you say? how would you hit the sweet spot between being consistent and having enough variability within the training to like periodization to not make it too linear all the time? Yeah, no. And I think that's a great question. Mm. So people would have heard of things like muscle confusion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> keeping your body I guessing. my muscles, man. <laughs> <laughs> keeping a body guessing, never yeah. doing something the same for too long. And I think, um, the principles behind that, both anecdotally and through the evidence, are spot on. Your body does get well adapted to a consistent demand. Yeah. So if you're doing exactly the same thing for a period of time where you are doing the same program in the same ordering with the same rep ranges at the same weight for the same sets, then after the first couple of weeks of DOMS and the newness of it all starts to subside, um, you will find probably a diminishing return in terms of the positive adaptation because your body's just going to go, okay, I know how to deal with this load. Yeah. I know it's coming. I know how to do it. I know how to move my body and I know how to what intensity I need to muster. Yeah. 
So I'll make some changes, and then after that, I won't make any more changes. In actual fact, you'll start going backwards because your body will then go, how do I do this more efficiently? Yeah. With less calories and less demand. So then you end up working not as hard. Yeah. So it's it's like the it's like the classic thing of people when they start training on a cross on on a treadmill yeah first time they do it they get five ten minutes they're huffing and puffing they've got to stop and they keep going for a few months and all of a sudden they're doing 40 minutes straight and they feel like a beast mm. and uh, and that's great yeah you've increased your lung capacity your vo2 max you just generally feel fitter but that comes at a price as you get quote unquote fitter you become more efficient and if you're not an endurance athlete, as your body gets efficient, it means less calories burned and less work deployed. Yeah. yeah. And when you go to gym, you want to work as hard as you can and demand as much from your body as possible. So consistency, I think, is critical to being able to measure and purposely put action towards a plan. Yeah. To a point. Yeah. And then exactly. And then there needs to be some form of program adaptation yeah such that the body continu continues to make progress on the things that you care about yeah strength on the compound lifts uh muscle recruitment muscle growth but adds enough variability yeah so there's newness new muscle fibers are being hit new rep ranges are being asked of you you know maybe there's a bit more endurance based muscle work so that yeah. you have both capacity and strength that's yeah. really important to push through plateaus there's a whole number of reasons why putting some form of periodization yeah. all that means is changing stuff through time yeah um all the russian athletes that it was invented in, in you know the russian olympics teams like yeah they kind of kind of like put the word to it which is a annual program they would do two or even three year programs for their athletes mm -hmm. And they would plan that far ahead and then say, okay, for the next two years, we're going to have a program of, you know, strength and performance and skill-based work. It's going to look like this. It's going to ever evolve, but deliberately. I didn't and, know this. You can learn something new every day. Yeah. So it, it kind of kind of got founded by, you know, the Russian Olympic team. But oh, okay. since then, it's a, it's a cornerstone of athletic progression yeah. throughout most coaches across most disciplines of sport and performance. So progression is is a tried and true way of increasing your performance, the body's capability. So when it comes to just the narrow scope of weightlifting and mm -hmm. strength training to change your muscle, sorry, change your body composition, it's it's a no brainer. Yeah. Staying if 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 I followed the program I'm currently on now for the next year, even though I'd still be able to elicit some progress here and there. I'll get to a point of plateauing where kind of reaching the limits of my strength. Yeah. So that variable starts to not change anymore. Mm -hmm. I keep doing the same weights every time. And at the same, you know, I'm using exactly the same muscle fibers, same recruitment patterns, same motion. Mm -hmm. I'm not testing any other planes of motion, any other ranges of motion. I'm not, I'm not experiencing any newness mm -hmm. and the body's become adapted. Yeah. So, the question then is, how frequently should you mm. be inconsistent? How yeah. frequently should you change something what that you're doing. is working? Yeah. 
Do you have a, a view on that? So, uh, I don't know if there's a definitive there, I mean, right time range. I tend to, yeah, usually we adapt to a program about six to eight weeks. So that's kind of why you'll see most programs about six to eight weeks long um, before then changing it to the, the new um, Mesa cycle, the new period. Um, but saying that everyone's different, um, some people might adapt really quickly to a program and it might be four weeks or someone might be able to keep making progress like a newbie. For a few months. Yeah, a newbie could be on a program and probably keep making progress for months, right? So That is true. There's kind of a few considerations there, but I t generally tend to program sort of about a six to eight week block um, and that's easy to kind of manage as well then. And um, yeah, I... I within that it's being consistent with the movements within that block right that period but i do still have some variability and some sort of change in exercises but they'll be the more isolated core exercises or or you know might change your bicep grip you might when you're doing bicep curls you might go from a pronated grip to supinated within within the same within cycle. the same cycle but i wouldn't necessarily change from a back squat to a front yeah. squat within the same cycle although you can do both together consistently you wouldn't randomly change your back squat oh now you're going to do front squat because you're you're trying to you're trying to uh, track the metrics of your back squat. And then if you're going to do a front squat, then how are you going to track what you're doing with the back it's a, squat? It's a completely different exercise. Yeah, and, and then you're like, yeah. I need to I need to get better at doing a back squat technique. And um, The best way to improve your back squat is to continue doing back squats. Exactly. But then not, it'll get not, to not doing zercher yeah. squats. Now, there, there's some carryover. Yeah. But if you, you want to get really good at something, it's like if you want to get really good at playing football, you're not just going to go, oh, why don't I do tennis two times a week? Okay, fair enough. There might be some some cardiovascular crossover, but yeah. if you want to get really good at football, just continue playing football. Exactly, and that's that's the reality of progressive overload and getting stronger and more physically capable at those compound lifts. Is that they've got to continue to feature. Exactly. If they do, if they completely disappear for eight weeks, then you know you'll be you'll, you'll, yeah. you'll be resetting the clock, but you'll be you'll be taking a hit in the progress you would have been making. Exactly. So then, what we'll do in the next period would then go okay we do you do you want to do back squats again because they're important to you you like doing them da, da, da. so we'll, we'll keep the back squats in there but it's rather than doing six to eight reps we might be doing 10 to 12 reps yeah. or, or 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 changing or the pause, sets or, or dead starts exactly changing changing some variables so the exercise feels different but exactly. for the most part it's the same yeah now that that's that's a good point um i i also think that you, you spoke about some some people feel the need to change in four weeks some people feel that you know they can yeah. go on forever and that is something to do with people's neurotype as well right yeah some, personality yeah some 100%. people's personality just like it's all about novelty yeah and you give give someone the same thing to do for two three weeks and like, oh, i'm fucking bored already yeah where's the new thing yeah yeah and whilst that might be uh somewhat negative towards kind of trying to build a tried and true progressively overloading program you have to respect that person's person's personality likewise if someone likes consistency and they just like to know what's coming and they don't want to have their life change too much because they've got to think about that change if they can continue to make progress for as you say three months four months on the same program and they don't feel bored they feel they're making progress and they feel that they're not getting beaten up by it yeah then I would say all the power to the longer term guy if he can do it or gal. Mm -hmm. I would 
I would say minimum minimum four weeks, mm. right? If if you're feeling the need to change up within a week, then I think yeah. you you have yeah. to reflect on your personality a little more. Okay, okay, that's my personality. I like newness. I like novelty, but if you really want the goal of changing your body shape and yeah. building muscle mass and you know improving your body composition, you're gonna have to somehow have that internal talk because yeah. there needs to be a period of time where you can track progress. And changing stuff up constantly is going to be difficult for you to do that. Yeah, it's a good point because so if I'm programming for you, for instance, I know you're quite analytical. You like the data. You like to see the consistency. So therefore, I could put you on a slightly longer program. I'm on an eight-week card. That's <laughs> yeah. fine. But after eight weeks, I'm like, I, I do want something You do new. want that change. Yeah, yeah. There might be someone else that I will see and they might, I can tell they get bored easy and they don't care as much about the data and the metrics. And I put them through that because I know it's important for their, for their goal. Them keeping but going. But they don't care themselves. Yeah. So then yeah. well, I have to go, how do I make it fun? How do I make it a little less consistent but consistent enough that they will still get the results yeah they might not get there as quick as they they or i want them to it's not the perfect but the fact plan, is they're but turning up and they're still enjoying exactly. it exactly because if yeah. they're not turning up and they're not enjoying it then they're going to become very inconsistent yes. they're not showing up yeah so, so. You, the, the person that the personal and psychic side of working out is very important whilst it doesn't yeah. you know it isn't the thing that in its own right defines your your muscle size yeah if you're not showing up mentally and therefore physically hey nothing's going to happen exactly. so you have to make some sacrifices for optimal for the benefit of just getting people in the gym and enjoying it 100%. so i understand it but yeah i'd say you know the you know the pendulum is kind of swung more to the if you can do six to eight weeks yeah keep consistent progress across those six to eight weeks across all your lifts across all your workouts that's probably a nice time frame, and I think the evidence suggests it's a good time frame to then bring in some change. Yeah, something a little bit quicker than that, not so much of a problem if you're keeping it minimum four weeks. Try not flirt underneath that line just because yeah. you now start having less variables to manage. Yeah, and 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 the other end as well. If you're still making results in the program and you're enjoying it, keep going as long as you can whilst we're still making results. Okay, so that's consistency. Um, the second pillar was frequency. Yeah, so might sound similar let's clarify that for people that don't fully grasp the difference yeah so frequency is really around the the number of times you are hitting the same muscle group or the or in some cases the same exercise give an example you know developing your chest frequency would be how many times you work in your chest how many yeah. times you go into the gym frequency could be misconstrued as i'm going to the gym five times a week Mm -hmm. but how many times are you deliberately uh and um materially work in your chest yeah and it might only be one day where you might be doing a classic split where uh, your upper body your chest only gets worked once a week that would be a frequency of one yeah versus someone who's kind of a more of a bodybuilder plan might have loaded in some chest work every day that'd be a frequency of five if they're going five times a week exactly so the question is around frequency is what is best mm. is it one day a week allowing a full week to fully recover and all that kind of stuff or is doing it more frequently good knowing that there's perhaps some issues with yeah. recovery yeah do you well, want to kick so, that off yeah so now we're seeing the benefits of more frequent um more frequency on muscles right so 
if you hit, if you were doing legs or uh, whatever whatever body part you're doing, say you're doing legs or say you're doing chest or your back, if you're doing that once a week, we now know it's more beneficial to do that two to three times a week. Um, and you're seeing a big shift in people's programs that they're doing now. They're starting to move from this split routine where you're just doing your back and then the next day you're doing your chest and then the next day you're doing your legs. Because over a week you're only say you're training six days a week and you cycle that over, you're only hitting those twice. And most people aren't training six times a week. And that's six most times people a week. training three times exactly. a week. Exactly. So then if you go, okay, well, let's hit legs, chest, and back all in the same session and do that four times a week, then that means that I'm now hitting those muscles four times a week. So I'm getting more frequency in. Um and I'm going into the gym less as well. So mm-hmm. I've got more time to recover. So there's many ways we can change frequency, but that's just an example of how we can increase the frequency, how frequent we hit those muscle groups. Well, let's let's go to a personal anecdote. I, I remember a, a good period of my training um, time. This is before I knew any better. I'd have a kind of chesty type day. Mm-hmm. And I would hit it with like insane volume, like like fifth, you know, not fifth, seven or eight different chest exercises. Yeah. Incline, decline, flat bench, uh, flyers, then cable flyers, and then, you know, push up. I'd just like a whole day working the chest, nothing yeah. else, just the chest. So that's an incredible amount of intensity, which we're going to touch on in a oh, minute. It's volume, right? a lot of volume. A lot of volume, and there's a lot of intensity. So it's very I, intense. I would put that area. volume all into one day, and I might train three days, three days a week. And it'd be it. One day a week, mm-hmm. I would go to town on the chest. And I didn't really, my, you know, I wasn't consistent enough, right? I didn't do it long enough. I wasn't deliberate enough. I wasn't clear on whether I was making progress. So for many reasons, I didn't see any results. Mm-hmm. But the evidence-based research that's coming out now from, some people may know these names, Greg Knuckles, who's a powerlifter, mm-hmm. And a PhD, he's a you know a physical scientist. He does a lot of this stuff. There's another guy called Menno Henselmans, who's a bodybuilder, who's who's got a scientific background, mm-hmm. who also does research on you know body mechanics and exercises and the changes of your body from a hypertrophy perspective. Mm-hmm. There's Brad Schoenfeld, who's again in the kind of um, body science space, as well as Elaine Norton, who's a PhD, does research based on nutrition and exercise. These are credible names in the space of fitness and you know body composition yeah and they are doing their own work as well as doing meta-analyses which is basically reviewing work from many many researchers Mm -hmm. and kind of aggregating the data and all of the data however they cut it and this has basically been a bit of a resurgence over the last couple of years Mm -hmm. pointed towards higher frequency being better for progressing your uh strength and muscle gains yeah so they're saying higher the frequency the better mm-hmm. so the more times you go to the gym working the same exercise for example for example the power lifters if you can train your deadlift three times a week mm-hmm. that's going to be better than only deadlifting once a week especially when it's a skill-based pattern you're trying to uh, really cement down, right? End of the day, powerlifting is about doing three exercises really, really well. Yeah. The more you can do them, the more practice you get, uh, the more effective you can become at that movement and the more likely is you're going to develop further strength. Yeah. So there's the skill acquisition, there's the the general practice, the more reps, mm-hmm. there's the volume, and then there's the inevitable strength gains that come from being able to lift heavier. Yeah. 
frequency is king when it comes to developing raw strength. Yeah. This is what all the science is suggesting. And the science is also tipping its hat towards hypertrophy, which is, you know, new fiber development, growing your muscles. Yeah. They're saying higher frequency um, to a limit is beneficial. Mm -hmm. Upper body is progressing a little more than lower body from what I, what I understood. But the net net is however you slice the data, if you can hit your chest two plus times a week, it's better than just once a week. Yeah. If you can do it three times a week, it's going to be better than two. If you can do it four times a week, it's going to be better than three. That's what the science says. That's what the, you know, the lab studies where, you know, all the variables are controlled, volume is equated, which means that, hey, say you've done, you know, 200 reps of mm -hmm. total reps on your chest on a one-day session for your chest during the course of a week. And you've done exactly the same amount of like reps and volume, yeah. but you split, split it over two or three up. days. Yeah. What they're saying is, even if the volume's equated, you're going to get a slight better bang for your buck in yeah. spreading that load across multiple days. Yeah. And I guess it's because there's warm-up sets there, there's more practice, there's you're doing less reps at fatigue where you yeah. know you know when you're repping something yeah. out and your body's already burnt out mm -hmm. it's the fifth exercise on that muscle and it's just shit was if you spend a whole session on one muscle group that's incredibly intense so if you split if you're splitting that up into different sessions then you can have much more like you're saying you have much more mental and physical um ability to really work that muscle because as desired fatigued. as expected exactly so so that all the science and, you know, this is proper, you know, research, yep. controlling the variable based um, studies are all pointing towards higher frequency being better than lower frequency. So what does this mean in the real world of the average Joe going to the gym wanted to change their body? For me personally, mm -hmm. you know, I'm transitioning from, I think when we first started programming for me, I was on a, not, not a, proper bro split because there was always an element of full body yeah but it was a more deliberate chest day yeah back day leg yeah. day type thing and then we moved to four days and then i floated with five as you and i have got clear on the research and i've become more emotionally attached to want to increase my frequency therefore mm -hmm. we're deliberately building in you know a bench at least two times a week at the minute i'm doing it three days a week mm -hmm. I'm definitely feeling and noticing the difference, both in terms of my uh, comfort with the bench press, yeah, my proficiency with the movement. Therefore, I feel more comfortable to load up. You know, the, the movement's just feeling more familiar. Yeah. And I think that's a big deal, right? I'm feeling like I, I, I'm not owning the bench, but I'm feeling a lot more in control. Like, shit, I'm not fretting about it because I'm only doing it one time a week. I'm doing it three times a week now. I, like, I'm getting a lot of practice in. That combined with, okay, separating out, separating out some of the intensity mm -hmm. a little, I'm, my chest has developed. I can see it physically. I can see it in pictures and my strength gains are going up. So all in, uh, I'm, I'm in favor of mm. higher frequency. Yeah. And as you said earlier, if you want to get better at football, you play football, you play more. The more football you play, the better you're going to get, right? And it's the same with, with training. If you want to get better at the bench press, you want to get stronger bench press, um, and also then as a byproduct, you're going to get more muscle. 
practice the movement, get better, get more more efficient at the movement to allow greater demand because you can put more weight on it. Because if you get a beginner that, that bench presses and, and their technique's not very good. But they're only doing it one day, one day a week for three sets. Yeah. I mean, how, how good can you get yeah, something it's very when you're only slow. practicing it that little? Exactly. And then because it's slow, you can't put much weight on. So there's not much... The, the, demand on the on the bench press isn't that great because they're not very efficient in the movement yeah. but if you do it more frequently because you're like right you're re you really need to improve on that let's make it more frequent they get more frequent they get better and then you can start chucking on more weight they get stronger and i think that's quite an important thing is that practice the frequency of practice as well as obviously all the science behind how it develops your strength and muscular development Practice is a big thing, I think, sitting behind this. But there's there, there is there is some reality. There are kind of negative sides of frequency. Yeah. The negative sides of frequency is, I ain't going to go to the gym seven days a week, nor do I want to. Mm. Right. I respect the value of uh, for muscle development, just kind of general mental and physical kind of recovery, time off. Mm. I need to get a couple of days out of the gym, not doing yeah. anything. So. I've already signed up to only ever doing five days a week total in the gym. Mm -hmm. And I want to do other stuff too. Right? So, so you want a life? Yeah, exactly. So like, what's the reality? What can you achieve in yeah. five days a week where I want to work hard? I want to develop, I want to, I want to float with the maxes of my lifts mm -hmm. and I want to continue to make progress and not feel like I'm, I'm beating my body up. So frequency, I think, you know, the scientists will say, more frequency is better. Mm -hmm. Five is better than four. Four is better than three and so forth. But there's only X amount of days in a week. There's only X amount of time in a week. Everyone's got lives and jobs and everything else they've got to do. And there's other body parts they want to develop. And for the most part, people aren't obsessing about squat, deadlift, chest, uh, bench press as like, my life's purpose is getting better at those yeah. lifts. For the most part, people are going to the gym because they want to develop a good body. Yeah. So it's not so much you have to be wedded to that lift. The lift might be the most effective way to develop your strength and muscle. Yeah. But there might be other ways of working your chest, which mm -hmm. doesn't involve the, uh, the bench press. Yeah. So frequency isn't just the lift. It's how often are you requiring that body part to work, to work under load, mm -hmm. progressively overloading it. Yeah. And then the second part of it, of frequency is if you fr if you go to the gym if you work the same muscle part too frequently with inadequate recovery you're not benefiting from super compensation yeah this idea of when you go in the gym the moment you walk out of the gym you've made yourself weaker and we all know that to be true because after five sets of really really heavy lifting mm. you try and do a sixth set just like you did on the first you can't yeah. so you have got weaker You've gone into the gym, you walk out of the gym, you are weak. Breaking yourself down, right? And that period of weakness lasts a period of time. Uh -huh. Your body's damaged, there's protein synthesis, trying to recover those muscle fibers, you know, deal with those micro tears, and generally start to build on a little bit of muscle to support mm -hmm. that load again the next time. That period of time is, uh, is variable, depending yeah. on the intensity. And we're going to yeah. talk about that in a second. Yeah. So if you are going too frequently, you're training too intensely and there isn't enough time to optimally recover. You're not eating right. You're not sleeping right. You've got life stress. You're not allowing enough physical time between those workouts. You're going two times a day. I mean, now you're putting your body through mm. enormous stress and not enough time to super compensate, which is repair and then 
adapt for yeah. a greater load thereafter. So it's a really fine balance. Yeah. Frequency is better, but recovery is, I think, key. If Massively. you can't recover, you're just going to put damage on damage. And you could there you're on a kind of negative slope of decline, both in terms yeah. of strength gains and just how you feel. In the gym, you're going to be mentally and physically mm. burnt out. Well, that, that kind of boils, like, there's a bit of a theme as to what we're saying with all of these points. Uh, there there needs to be some sort of balance, some sort of moderation with, like, as we're saying, go back to consistency. We have to find that balance between consistency but and not being too random and, and whatnot. Also, with frequency, like you're saying there, if you're too frequent and you're, you're, you're overtraining certain body parts, you don't have that recovery. So again, it just boils down to having that balance and keeping within moderation and find that sweet spot, and which again is different for everyone, right? Because agreed. some people have more stress in life. Some people can't, can't um, put their body under that much pressure that frequently as opposed to someone like an athlete. An athlete who has a team around them managing nutrition, managing, and they're at a camp, their frequency can be a lot higher, much higher. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. And that's the thing. Some I get people ask questions sometimes, going, "But how can an athlete train? How come twice an NFL a day? footballers, you know, yeah. training every single day? He seems fine. Why can't I do that? Yeah, but you'll notice they take themselves out of the camp, and then they'll 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 sorry they'll go to a camp. They'll go away from home life where there's no distractions and stress. They'll have a team around them. They'll which sleep allows... after their workout, right? Yeah. I mean, who gets to do that? Oh, yeah, that'd be amazing. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, their life yeah. is configured around their performance. Everything is configured around their performance. So, yeah. like, you know, I regard myself as someone who probably has a, a pretty good regime as it relates to recovery. Yeah. I try and organize my life around recovery. Yeah. So as a result, maybe I'm allowed, I'm a, my body allows me to do a little, a little bit more frequently. Yeah. Maybe. Um, I wouldn't say I'm genetically predisposed to working out, you know, five days a week on the same muscle part, but with how I manage my recovery, yeah. I can do it at a higher frequency without too much detrimental impact. Yeah. But if you aren't controlling those variables, you're getting a shit night's sleep, your life's really stressful, um, you know, you're not eating the, the right nutrients, all that kind of stuff. Maybe, you know, going three, four times a week isn't going to work for you. Mm -hmm. But I would say, like, as we kind of close the door on frequency as the second pillar, I would say long gone are the days of once a week training mm -hmm. on a muscle part. I think the movement of today is full body, a full body bias for the average Joe who just wants to get, you know, fit, lean and strong. You know, having a bias towards full body programming is probably the better way for you to get higher frequency across your whole body throughout the week. Yeah. So something that looks like as if it's hitting most of your muscles every day with perhaps a focus on one muscle part more mm -hmm. than others. Yeah. So then yeah, you can you can work your body three or four times a week, all of it. I think that's probably what's you know the 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 best recommendation. Yeah. And then as you start thinking about those muscle groups and hitting those muscle groups and or hitting those exercises specifically frequently. Mm -hmm. I would say for the for most people, mm -hmm. two to three times a week is probably yeah. where you want to be. That you'd probably move away from one a week and say, if I'm chest pressing, so bench pressing, can I get can I get two in a week? Yeah. And if I can get three, that's a bonus because I know that that's probably gonna add benefit. As long as I'm spacing my workouts that yeah. I'm not bench benching Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and doing it really intensely. Mm -hmm. I'm doing it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for example, that would be brilliant. 
yeah. that'd be great. It's uh, well, that's the thing. As we're closing on frequency, it, the the convenience of it. It's it's if you can hit more frequency, that means you can condense your workouts because you're doing full body into Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Full you body's only... hard though, right? Because it's less isolation. It's more compound. Yeah, it's fatiguing because everything is getting worked all at once. But the benefit is you you get high, you increase yep. in the frequency across the whole body, which therefore means you don't have to be in the gym as yeah. many hours. So okay, so then that's the door closed on frequency. Now let's close uh, this discussion on uh, intensity slash training to failure. Mm-hmm. So we've got consistency both at the macro micro level. We got frequency into the how how often we train certain muscle groups and exercises. And we kind of spoke about intensity a couple of times because it is interlinked. Intensity, talk to me about what that means to you as that as the the word itself. And I start to elaborate on what we think about how to manage intensity. The way I think about intensity is almost in my in my head, it's just how hard you're pushing. How hard you're pushing on a certain area. It's very intense. Like if you really focus on one area, it's quite intense, right? If you have a conversation that's intense, it's when it's very focused, it's very narrow, it's there's no distractions, it's very intense. It's, it mm-hmm. was an intense interview, right? So if you think about that in your training, if you narrow down a focus on one specific area, then it can be quite intense. But that can also be um, how hard you're pushing. It's very intense because you're, let's just say, let's put it in context, right? If I'm hitting my chest, and like we spoke about earlier, if you're if you're smashing your chest in the gym, you're very focused on one area of the body and then you're doing nine, let's say you're doing nine exercises. That's also very hard. That's very intense on that one body part. So how intense can we go on specific lifts or, you know, and that kind of spills over then to failure. How how hard can we go? How intense should our workouts be? Do we go to failure or do we go, do we bring the intensity down mm. way below that and stay way away from the red line? Or failure. So or I'm, I'm hearing what? two things there in your definition of intensity, or three things, but two things that stand out. Uh, one is just how much work, like yeah. you know, volume, do you put on a given muscle? Yeah, that's all the exercises that point towards that muscle, all the reps, all the sets, all the weight. Like, yeah. What's the overall demand on that muscle group in that workout? Yeah. That's one definition of intensity slash workload. And then a second definition that I was hearing from you is just like how close to the red line are you pushing each set? Yeah. You know, are you are they feeling easy? Like you got three sets of eight and you're doing eight and you're barely breaking the sweat, or you're doing, you know, three sets of four and that fourth one mm-hmm. you're you're like shaking and the bars going all over the place and you're just about able to get it back onto the pins yeah like where are you on that spectrum yeah exactly. and that for you is also a definition of intent i, I yeah. agree i think those two things are in my mind what i was thinking yeah yeah i think if you if you have a hard bench session like you say you're doing three sets of eight and you're, you're pushing yourself to the point where you're almost at failure you're gonna you're gonna walk out the gym and go, man, that was, that was an intense session. That was hard. Right. So it's kind of the way you want to think about it in, in, um, whereas if like you're able to do three sets of eight, you got your music on at the same time, you're thinking about work, you got to have things going on. You just do the eight and it's just like, I've done it. I didn't even think, didn't realize you'd done it because it was that easy. Yeah. Like that would be low intensity. 
Exactly. Right? Yeah. So then we've got to figure out, okay, what's kind of like we said with the other two, what's the, how do we work intensity? Where's the perfect balance? Because if we go too far, we hit failure and injury. And if we go too little, then we probably won't see enough adaptation within the body. So where is that sweet spot, right? Mm. So for you, how do you manage your intensity? Where do you find that comes into your training? So I, I have I have a bias towards higher intensity yeah. your training I, I have a bias towards touching the red line yeah like so so my my definition of the my, my, the way of answering that question is like how often do i feel that my sets are close to the last rep i could have possibly done yeah and i would say more often than not all of my exercises all of my sets generally feel like I couldn't have done much more. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them. Yeah. Because that for me, if I could, if I done if I done a set of anything, whether it's four set four reps or six or eight or twelve or fifteen, yeah. And I feel like I could have done a few more. I just like okay, well that just means I, the weight's not heavy enough. Yeah. So in my mind is like I've got to get to the point where the weight's heavy enough, mm-hmm. the form's good enough, and I get to the desired rep range, and it's kind of like yeah, I'm at my limit. I couldn't have done yeah. any more. That for me, for me, feels purposeful. It feels like I'm squeezing out as much benefit from that set yeah. as I can, and I try and apply that across everything I do. Yeah, um, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It's just that for me feels like I'm working out. Yeah, anything less than that feels a bit of a waste of time. Yeah, and that that's the thing, right? So you're, but you know your body, so you know what level to push it to and and where you know what that intensity feels like so you know i know i'm not quite going to failure but i'm pretty much pushing myself there most of the time right um but what i'd recommend for for individuals that are maybe new to training or just haven't got enough experience or know how their body feels and they don't know was that intense was that not intense was that too intense or there's a few things that you can use like reps in reserve so you can say Okay, well, I'm gonna do this set, but I'm gonna leave two tanks in two reserve. Reps in a, yeah, <laughs> two reps in, in a tank, two, even two reps in the tank. Sorry, <laughs> two tanks in a rep. Two tanks in a rep. Yeah, <laughs> always get my words muddled up, man. Um, I blame it on the fasting. There so. we go. That's, that's um, what it is. <laughs> but yeah, so you you might have uh, two reps left over at the end of the set. So you you go, okay, I'm gonna. And again, that can be hard to tell, right? Do I have two reps left or do I have one rep? I don't know. But it gives you some sort of guideline to manage the intensity of yeah. your, your training. So you can do your set and you can go, okay, I was lifting, I was doing a back squat at 80 kilograms. I did eight reps. And when I racked that weight back up, I felt like I probably could have done another four reps. So obviously I can push it a bit more. So my next set, then I'm going to increase the weight, go again. And then you go, okay, I, I, probably could have done another two and then you know you're kind of at about 80 percent. let's say you've got two mm. reps away from failure that's one of the ways you can manage it well um, let's 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 be clear that you know in f- training to failure um for me is a moving target mm. right because i try to train to i probably you know the 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 real definition of how I train is training to near failure. Mm-hmm. I don't often train to failure. And for me, failure <clears throat> is um, technical failure. So like, you should be training to the point where you know if you've done another rep, mm-hmm. it wouldn't look the same. Yeah, It would break down. 
sometimes every once in a while I'll, I'll be benching and I'll get halfway through a rep and I have to I have to drop it onto the pins mm -hmm. that's definitely training to failure yeah. where your body is exhausted you can't. and can't do anymore yeah. seldom do I get to that mm -hmm. right Seldom do I get to that. I always get to finish my rep, usually with reasonable enough form. Well, maybe especially may, maybe if I'm doing curls, maybe the last rep on the curl might be, the back might be kind of, you know, arching a little bit just to get it up. Maybe. Yeah. And that's probably a sign that I'm, I'm really at that limit. But for the most part, I feel that I'm training near to failure. Yeah. And that's at any rep scheme. Mm -hmm. So the intensity feels different. So if I'm doing... Um, sets of eight mm -hmm. I have to manage my overall work you know my capacity so I can get eight out but when I get to eight I feel like I can't really do nine mm -hmm. or ten um, likewise I have to choose my weight very carefully and have to think about exercise very differently from trying yeah. to get four out Yeah, and that's a very different workout that's a very different exercise mm -hmm. but the intent is still the same as I get to four and I don't think I can do much more maybe one yeah. more do you know what I mean Yeah. so I train to near failure I, I set the weight to support the rep scheme. I think it's really important. Um, but the evidence again is saying, generally speaking, because frequency is favored over less frequency, even when volume is equated and volume mm -hmm. is reps times sets times weight, that would suggest that this idea of training to failure as a single modality, mm -hmm. the only way in which you train is probably somewhat counterproductive mm -hmm. because if it is point pushing you to the point of excessive fatigue because you're doing lots of work on that same muscle and pushing yourself to failure every set, you're going to struggle to turn up at the gym the next day or at least two days afterwards and then consistently do that three or four times a week. So if you want maximal gains, there's probably some benefit in finding a way to be a couple of reps away from mm -hmm. that point of failure yeah. because doing so will manage your overall energy balance and manage more importantly your overall um, damage on that muscle mm. so it can recover a little bit faster and that means you can get back in the gym a little bit quicker. Yeah, But that's, a fine, that's fine and very subjective. It's mm. very difficult to know where that line is for you. Yeah. And I always tend to lean towards I want a hard workout. Hard workout means I'm getting to the point where I can't really do much more. Yeah. So if I if I stepped away from that, I could definitely increase my frequency. Yeah. But I kind of find that I am doing what I want to do yeah. emotionally. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there, well there's there's so many things to take into account. And that's why I use things like reps and reserve or or now percentage based training and things like that because as a coach, I have to to manage someone's intensity because let's say I give someone a program, I don't know, I don't know how hard they're going to push it because I don't know what necessarily what weight they can do for how many reps. Yeah. So I don't know. So I have to somehow manage that because some people might perceive failure as as you know fifty percent, and someone might perceive failure as actually hitting failure, right? So then I have to go well, go to you feel there might be two reps left in the tank or if i know you like you i could go let's go up to one rep in 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 the tank right so finish and you think you might be able to do one more might which would be, be an to. rpe of nine so it'll be like at 90 percent of my overall exactly exertion yeah. potential yeah and i think that for someone gives enough sort of fluidity throughout different sessions because some sessions as you say 
the the target moves right and sometimes your your red line your failure might be lower because your tolerance that day is lower because you didn't sleep as well or mm. there's a lot of stress in your life so therefore you you still only go to one rep left in the tank you're still going just, below that it just is lower it, than you normally can exactly. do because your body's not up for it today yeah exactly so yeah. that's kind of one way of managing it another way of managing it might be um or percentage-based training as we're doing now so you, that's a bit more fixed so you're as we said earlier you're lifting three reps at 90 percent if you're having a bad day yeah that might that that doesn't move that's the only problem with percentage based training but what i'm trying to say here is that there are some sort of guidelines that you can use in order to to keep yourself working towards enough intensity but not always hitting failure i would i would also say that um i think i train to near failure but i might be wrong Right, because I, I train in a very isolated fashion. Yeah. I train in my own gym. I, I control the I On control the, I control the environment. But yeah. the disadvantage of of doing what I do is mm. I don't have someone like, you know, geeing me up, like getting me excited. There's no competition with anyone yeah. else. There's no kind of ego kind of like just like jumping in and going, Go on, Steve, you can fucking do it. Yeah. There's no aggression or there's limited aggression. And I've got nothing to prove because it's only me in the room. Yeah. Plus, I don't have the, especially if you're doing things such as a heavy bench, mm -hmm. I've got no one to, to spot. So I have to be reliant on my pins and stuff like that to save me should I, I actually physically fail. So because of that, there's a lack of kind of bro ego and mm -hmm. there's, there's, there isn't the safety aspect. I was only training this morning doing a heavy deadlift, a really heavy one. And I was feeling really good. And I was I wanted to get four or six. So I got five. It was my last set. It was the yeah. heaviest one I was doing of the day. And I was kind of, as I was doing the work, I'm like, let's go to six. Let's go to six. We can do this. And I got to five. I got the fifth one out. And as it was going to the yeah, floor, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to stop now. Yeah. Like, But it was hard. And I could have... If someone was there, if like you were there or someone was there, was like Steve, like get on with it, I would have done it. I would, well, I, I would have, I would have done yeah. the sixth rep. And you know but what? By myself, I chose to stop. Yeah. And I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe that's just me intuitively, without the pressure of the kind of social pressure. Yeah. I'm doing what I think is right. It was still yeah. a good workout. I still made progress. I lifted heavier overall at the more volume overall yeah and it was like i don't need that extra rep because i'm already making progress i'm going to hold that back maybe get some extra well, so, extra benefit the next week yeah it's, it's Do you know can, what I mean? yeah get get progress with the least amount of work why not but you you the other things well that i find like when you're training with other people is that in my mind let's say i was in your shoes this morning and, and i i hit the fifth rep in my mind, I'll be thinking, okay, sixth rep is probably failure. Like, I don't know if I can do a sixth rep, but I think I can. And then suddenly you've got to go, come on, come on, you can do another one. Come on. And they're geeing you up. You think, yeah, and the energy's there. Especially and stuff suddenly, on Instagram. You see like the Instagram like workouts. Yeah. You see some people like they're getting five out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, they've, they've done everything they can. All of a sudden, one more, one more, one yeah. more, one more. Keep going, keep like, going. Where's all that coming yeah, from? And then suddenly you go, okay, shit, I just did eight reps yeah, and yeah. i thought i didn't think i could do six and now yeah. i've suddenly done eight because yeah. i've had that sort of social pressure or ego um lifting me but i i don't know but the thing is is okay is that then actually my real failure 
Because then you start questioning, okay, what actually is failure? And that's a difficult part, isn't it? Because you go, well, if there were people here screaming at me, actually... Or, if that or, person wasn't there, would I still be able to do the work? Yeah. yeah. If they're holding a gun to like one of your family and they're saying, if you don't do it, you'd probably do it. You probably could, you go, yeah. Okay, so true, man. <laughs> is that just because I've got superhuman powers in me that can do it when it needs to be done or is it actually my true failure yeah and am i going too shy of that, that that's that's a really really interesting point i don't know if it's ever been spoken about but that probably the the, the conclusion i'd make to that is you probably want to be consistent with how you work out yeah right so if you work out with someone and you're doing heavy work probably want to work out with someone more often than not mm. just so there's consistency in the environment yeah consistency in that kind of emotional state that you find yourself in so yeah. you are massively testing yourself under the consistent variables if one day you're training by yourself and the music isn't on and it's a low energy environment and you've only got you holding you accountable mm. and you do whatever you've got to do and then the next time you've got banging music you're really feeling up for it you've got someone with you your mates, those mates are there <laughs> like someone's just done something heavier yeah. than you it's time to fucking prove yourself yeah that's a different environment and yeah. You could probably do more, but is that helpful in assessing your overall progress when the the environment in which you're training in can change so differently? That's a good question. Yeah. And I would err on the side of I'd rather be consistent, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Just at least then I could be more deliberate in knowing if I'm making progress or not. And I think versus the more... these little bursts of yeah. motivation that only come around once a week Every or once a month. Then. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Lane Norton kind of touched on this with one of his articles saying, he was talking about, should we go to failure? Is it, or is it detrimental or is it more beneficial? And he was kind of saying, the 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 research, the studies on participants that were one going to failure and one that weren't going to failure, um, actually, the ones that weren't going to failure, but they were going near to failure, were actually seeing just as much, if not more, results as oh, opposed really? to the guys hitting failure all the time. Okay. Um, and, and you go into the gym, as you were saying, you go more mentally prepared, you feel a bit more refreshed. Um, so not going to failure just means that you can recover better. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then he started saying, but the problem is most people don't actually know what their true failure looks like. So you, yes, you want to obviously stay away from hitting your complete failure. But at the same time, do you actually know what that truly is? You've got you've got to have the balls to um, push to new limits. Yeah. Right. And if you're if you're going to make progress, making progress at the beginning is easy when you're suboptimal. Right. You're you're lifting much lower than you actually can, but you're you're getting used to the used to the gym, used to the weights, yeah. used to your body, used to the exercises. But that proficiency helps you make massive progress over a very mm. short period of time. But not all of that is strength. A yeah. lot of it isn't really. It's just getting better at the movement and get more confident. And then you hit your real like, okay, yeah. now now the, the rubber hits the road. Now anything that happens thereafter is actual strength gains. Yeah, because it's sorry, mate, it's it's actually easier to to test your sixty percent to seventy percent of the weight you can lift to 90 to 91 percent so if you go okay i'm lifted 60 this week i'm going to try and push that now that that's kind of easy to test because it's not that challenging but if you want to test what your 91 percent is like you say you're going to have to you're you're pushing the boundaries a little bit you're now starting yeah. to push yourself and then you go okay what does 91 or 95 look like and but you've got you've got to have the confidence confidence to do that to push your body to new limits 
So, and I think I think like if if, if you look within the circle of people that have been training for a long time, whether mm-hmm. they're personal trainers, whether they've got a strong voice globally, mm-hmm. um, whether they're researchers, I think people would say that having failure built into your program is beneficial if it's you if it's dose dependent if it, if it is done carefully and strategically i think the evidence would suggest because frequency is favored training to failure across every set across every exercise every workout is probably less optimal but never flirting with failure is also mm-hmm. not a good thing yeah so having a day a week or a day every two weeks where you are going to really, really push beyond your limits mm-hmm. helps you see where your new limits are yeah, and elicit some additional, you know, stimulus in your body. And I think that's important. So I know a lot of this space is, it depends and it's different yeah. for everyone. And that's like, well, how do I fucking make a decision when it just <laughs> all depends? The point is that I think failure can be a useful tool. Yeah. But I don't think it's it's like a blunt instrument. You don't want to use it all the time. It will, it will lose its effectiveness. Instead, you're going to use this, you know, strategically, um, somewhat sporadically, but instead you're, you're going to work within a near failure, you know, one yeah. or two reps away from technical failure. So you are res- keeping enough in reserves to keep working out, keep putting in the volume, yeah. keep progressively overloading, keep going consistently and with frequency and then every once in a while you test your true limits you go to proper failure you see what that feels like and i think that is the balance that i think would garner the best results without killing yourself yeah where you're just you know pounding your body yeah every time you go to the gym exactly so i guess that kind of summarizes i think it does yeah (laughs) so i think the the question um towards the end of this podcast is I would self-reflect and ask yourself, what am I doing best and where do I need to improve? Am I being consistent? Am I hitting the frequency? And am, and, and am I hitting, uh, getting close to failure to the point where I'm going to elicit some change in the body? Um, for me, I think I need to flirt a little bit more with intensity and, and, and train with more intensity than I already do. Yeah. I think for me, that's where my training is needs more improvement what about you do you feel like any of those areas are i mean we've already picked up on on frequency for me i I think i wasn't do i wasn't deadlifting i wasn't squatting i wasn't benching enough i was doing a lot but confined to one day we're now kind of we've now reprogrammed my training which i'd like to continue for a while yeah where i'm doing it two three times a week so i think frequency for me is at a limit that i'm comfortable with yeah because i don't want to go six days a week and i don't necessarily want to have to do things more intensely mm. than i already am yeah consistency i've got that nailed You're pretty right? good macro micro i'm all over that my piece is probably is is my is my intensity always adequate as in some days maybe i could have done another set my program didn't suggest i should Mm -hmm. but i had it in me should i have done it yeah just to get some additional volume get some additional work done on there i could have done it should i've done it that's Mm. question one i have and then the second question is yeah do i always need to have every set 
looking like I'm just I'm about to break down. Yeah. I'm not breaking down for the most part. My last rep is usually across all my exercises pretty good, mm-hmm. but it's not perfect. Does that mean I should have stopped one shorter? Mm. They're the two questions, open questions that I'm yeah. not going to answer right now. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Cool. All right, and Bryn. Cool. Listen, guys, Adapt Nation is all about providing you with the tools and expert knowledge to help you improve and optimize your strength, health, and mindset inside and out. Thank you, guys. Cheers, guys. If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might also enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. This is Adapt Nation.